The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. Golf is back on the PGA Tour and it's the first event of 2021. Hey, and it's a good one. I'm Diane Knox and this is the SG Tour Report from Secret Golf, the podcast. Happy New Year. I hope you had a lovely break over Christmas and New Year and um, got some lovely family time in, managed to relax, rest and recuperate and get ready for some big golf picks. So we're starting the year in style because this tournament is such an amazing one. The field is always outstanding. It's the Century Tournament of Champions in Kapalua. We have two weeks back-to-back in Hawaii. Next week, it's the Sony Open. But this tournament is a little bit different this year. Now, the Tournament of Champions does exactly what it says on the tin. All the winners from the previous year usually tee it up. But this year, because of COVID and the fact that so many events were cancelled in 2020, anyone that made it into the Tour Championship field, the top 30 in the FedEx Cup, they're playing this week too. So it ended up being... 28 winners and then 17 additional people from the Tour Championship. Rory McIlroy is not playing this week. Neither is Terrell Hatton or Jim Herman. So we've got 42 guys in the field. I like it when we have these smaller field events because, well, when we do our re-ranking, we go through the names. It actually makes it a little bit more difficult especially when it comes to, you know, those dark horse picks, which if you listen regularly, you know that we love. The other thing about this week is, you know, there's been a break. Some of the guys haven't played, well, even since the Masters, if we're talking about Dustin Johnson. The final event was Mayakoba. And then, you know, we had the shark shootout and the father-son. But for a lot of guys, it's going to be the first time they've played in, in well over a month. And... That kind of off-season is so short anyway, but Elk will talk about it. It's kind of like the resting and testing stage. So you have a lot of guys that, you know, if they're going to be trying out new equipment, there's one big name that we're going to be talking about today in relation to that. Uh, And, you know, you have to just kind of rest, get your body ready, any parts of your game you want to work on. But Elk really goes into that because he's been there a million times before. So in some respects, the the stats are a bit of a guideline. We're really weighting the intangibles heavily this week, which you'll hear all about. So our show is back on Wednesday on the Sports Grid Network. You can catch it at 2 p.m. Eastern and then it's repeated again at 3, 10 and 11. You can catch it at sportsgrid.com or any of your TV streaming platforms just go on and search for sports grid but we like to give you the podcast a day early so if you're doing your research for your picks and your bets and your lineups and whatever else then you can get them in nice and early 
Also, our SG Tour gaming app is up and running. So if you want to get your bets in that way, then you can do so. Just get into the app store and search for SG Tour. You can play a little game, challenge your friends, you know, the type of games that you would play on the golf course or in the clubhouse. You can do that. Create a private game and invite your friends. You set the stakes, set the payout structure, or you can join our public games as well. I see that Elk already has one up and running, so you can go and take part in that and it's only $10 to enter the top three payout and it is called the Aloha Game, <laughs> aptly titled. So you can go and check that out. But let's get right to it. This is the SG Tour Report for the Century Tournament of Champions. We are back for 2021 and we are talking golf on the PGA Tour. My name is Diane Knox and I'm joined by Steve Elkington. Happy New Year. Thank you, Diane. I love your screensaver back there, the 18th hole of the Kapalua course. I was lucky enough to play there in a few of these events myself. The tournament was originally played in California, the Tournament of Champions, and for about the last 15 years, they've moved over to Maui. And what a place to start the season. Of course, this is the middle of the season, but in my mind, Diane, this is the golf opener of the year. Yes. Well, we've had a bit of a break from golf on the PGA Tour, but this week we are back with a vengeance. It's the Century Tournament of Champions, as you say, in Kapalua in Hawaii. It's beautiful. It's um, affectionately known as the Aloha Swing because we have this tournament and then next week it's the Sony Open. But Elk, it's a little bit different this year because traditionally the field for the Tournament of Champions was made up of champions from the previous year. So only the guys that had won on the PGA Tour. But because of COVID and cancelled events, it's winners from 2020, but it's also the guys that made it to the Tour Championship, the final event in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Yeah, and I think, you know, imagine being one of the guys that hasn't won on the PGA Tour last year, but did get into the top 30, getting invited to this event. We don't talk about money all the time on tour, but it's probably about a $100,000 guarantee to finish last place this week over there, Diane. So... Imagine that for a little start of the season gift. So this is a no-cut event. And, well, we've got 42 guys in the field. And three guys that were eligible aren't playing, one of them being Rory McIlroy. But 17 guys who didn't win but made it after appearing in the Tour Championship. So I think, in my mind, it's kind of like, this is the tournament that everyone wants to be in. When you win on the PGA Tour, you're kind of thinking, right, you know, the money. <laughs> You've got the exemption for a couple of years. You get your place in the Masters, but the Century Tournament of Champions is always such a big incentive. Yeah, I was looking at a mind-blowing stat, Diane. Somebody said that Dustin Johnson won $23 million last year on the PGA Tour when you combine the FedEx Cup Championship, the bonus, and then the Masters on top of that. And I, I think to myself, you know, forget about what I won on the tour, but Jack Nicholas won 78 times and 18 majors and only won $5 million for his total career. So times have changed. Of course, everyone nowadays, Diane, is trying to get those precious points. They want to win the FedEx Cup because that's where all the big money is. Of course, winning a tournament is all, was always big money to us. Now we've got extra incentive with this FedEx Cup. And, of course, it all starts right here on this famous course. Uh, we are going to see some fireworks. There is a couple of guys, Diane, that stand out right at the top of this board, and everybody else is going to be chasing about three guys. So as we start to handicap it, I've got my picks. Yeah, we're going to do that shortly. We're going to go through our top ten. We have the big names to look out for, names that – Looking at the numbers and just some other intangibles, external factors might not be the picks for this week. And then, of course, we're going to give you dark horses. Now, we have our um, pre-production call, and it's always like an hour. We're talking everything through. And then you drop a bomb at the very end saying, oh, by the way, I've won this tournament twice before. And we're like, what? You're so modest, Mr. Elkington. But I know you have a great story about one of the wins. Well, I, I didn't win it at this course. It used to be played at a, at a, at a course called La Costa in California. And one of the most unique things about um, the Tournament of Champions when I was on tour, Diane, I won it in 1992 and 1995. But 
the senior tour had their tournament champions with us at the same venue. So when we went out each day, the seniors went off first, but Lee Trevino was on the range, Jack Nicholas, all these legends. And they had the, the, the small, you know, the PGA Tour playing alongside them. I think they should do that again. But the story you're referring to, Diane, was in 1992, my wife and I were about to be married. She's a school teacher. Uh, she was following on Sunday, had to leave at the turn, went to the airport. I finished up getting into a playoff. She was on the cell phone or a phone. I think it was a, a handheld phone on the wall with her sister. Said, you better get back to the golf course because Elk's in a playoff. I finished up lucky enough, won the playoff against Bruce Litsky, my friend who's passed away. And when I got to the press room, Lisa said, I'm not going. She was in there. She said, I'm not going to school. But she stayed and uh, watched me at least at the end. And we had a great, a great night that night. Did she lose her job? <laughs> no, I paid her. <laughs> Excellent. Um, Elk, now, one thing I want to talk about is obviously there has been a little bit of a break. And the last PGA Tour event we saw was the Maya Koba Golf Classic. What have the guys been doing typically to get ready for the start of 2021? Well, we had a term when I was coming through, Diane, it was we were going to rest and we were going to test. We were going to rest, get ready for the season. And then we were going to test whether we needed a new driver or, or you weren't happy with your equipment, maybe wanted to get a different kind of a style three wood or something. You tested a bunch of products. And by the way, some of this testing has affected our handicapping this week because there's guys that do have new equipment. Mm -hmm. And of course, when you come to a new venue, Diane, and you have a whole new set of clubs, that changes, the whole, that changes how we handicap people. So it's not just statistics. We got to look at everything. Yeah, we have one of uh, the big names who on paper probably is one of the favourites heading into this week, but we know that he's just signed with a new equipment sponsor, all new clubs in the bag, and we'll talk about him in just a little while. So it's a plantation course at Kapalua. It's Hawaii, so the place looks unbelievable, as you can kind of see behind me. But Elk, what are the main characteristics of this course and what can we expect? Well, it's a Ben Crenshaw design course, Diane. You stay right down the hill of that beautiful um, screensaver you have behind you at the Hyatt Regency, I think it is. And Ben Crenshaw made a very wide um, golf course. You can hit the ball pretty generously off the tee. It's a very hilly golf course. I mean, you've got to be in shape, Diane. It's really going to work the legs on these guys first week. Traditionally, it's very windy. We've already checked the forecast. It's going to be 20 to 30 miles an hour every day. So it really starts already to, to lean towards guys that have been at this golf course, know how to play it. What does it take to win on this golf course? And who is actually capable of doing the kind of statistics required to win this event? And we're going to tell you all who that is. Justin Thomas won last year and um, we've, we've had some incredible past champions here before. Justin Johnson has won twice, Justin Thomas twice. Xander Shoffley, but um, it's interesting to note that I was just looking at when Dustin Johnson won in 2018. He won at 24 under par. And then last year, Justin Thomas won at 14 under par. He was in a playoff with Xander Shoffley and Patrick Reed. But um, last year, the wind the, was crazy. It was like 40 mile per hour winds at the weekend. Yeah, and particularly um, if it comes slightly in a different direction than the players are used to, it just totally changes the golf course. And that's what, that's what changed the scoring a little bit last week. Of course, we're going to see probably downwind on 18th hole. We may see Bryson DeGembeau. We may see him hit it 600 yards off the 18th hole this week. Who knows? I mean, he, he's been in the cave lifting weights. I mean, who knows what he's going to come out. He may just blast it right into the ocean. I don't know. So that's going to be exciting to see what happens. Well, as you say, with Bryson, DJ, we have a lot of the big names playing this week. Well, pretty much all of them. And we're going to break down the entire field. It's always a great tournament to talk about. And even though we had the fall season to kick off the 2021 season, this is kind of like the start of the year where the big boys come out to play. Yeah, I think no matter what they do with the golf season, Diane, this is the opening of the golf season. You've been away. You had Christmas normally speaking, everybody goes home where it's cold. They rest for a little while. It's, you know, chilly weather. And then they come out and they always start. If you're lucky enough to win a tournament in the prior year, you started the tournament of champions. It's a very easy week. You've got no cut. 
You're going to be in Hawaii for two weeks because most everyone goes across and plays the Hawaiian Open. Um, I mean, let's face it, Hawaii for two weeks, how bad can it be? Now, there, there is a way to handicap the, this, Diane. There's players that have come from warm climates that are used to playing on this kind of grass. There's other guys in the field that come out of the north that it's very cold. Do we expect them to play as well? We're going to break down all of that this on this show. We're going to tell you who we think are the top, top favorites. And we're going to tell you who's got a chance maybe to sneak up on a couple of people. Now, we said it before, the field is made up of the guys that won tournaments in 2020, but also because of COVID and cancelled events, anyone that made it to the Tour Championship at Eastlake, they're in the field as well. So 17 guys who were not winners in 2020. Right, so first of all, we're going to talk about the course. What are the key stats that we're going to be looking at this week for the plantation course in Kafalua? Well, we know, Diane, we know historically that it's going to be probably 20 under who's going to win this tournament. And the fairways are quite generous. So that, that gives the guys that hit the ball a long way a huge advantage because they can spray it around a little bit and they're not going to get out into the sugarcane or the pineapple fields or whatever. Uh, but they're going to have to hit a lot of greens in reg. These greens are perched up. The tournament, Diane, they have a very distinct signature of what they do physically to accumulate a set of stats for the week and I've been looking at these stats very closely and I've got about five guys that actually are capable of winning this tournament uh, and there's a reason for that they they have to hit a lot of greens in reg and they have to putt very well what does that mean at this tournament we've got grainy greens they're Bermuda grass it's windy so the players have to know how to read the grain they know how to allow for the wind it's a, it's a different set of circumstances. So very top players are there, and there's no, um, there's no doubt who is sitting on top, two of the best. Mm -hmm. So the, the stats that we're looking at are driving distance, proximity to hole, scrambling, putting average, and par five birdie or better. But this week in particular, we are really ranking the intangibles high the things that we don't have stats on because a lot of these guys for example Dustin Johnson hasn't played since he won the Masters so a lot of these stats kind of aren't really a true representation of these guys also they've just had a break so it depends what they've been working on if they've been testing new equipment as you say if they've been playing a lot of golf if they live somewhere colder and weren't able to so we have a lot going on and we're going to go through it all so we'll start with our top Ten. When we re-rank the guys, these are the top ten in order, and it's no surprise that number one on our re-ranking this week is last year's champion. He's won twice here, and it's Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas, Diane is well. He just came off the PNC Father Son Championship, playing with his father. But you know, when I think about Justin Thomas, of course. There's no, there's no surprise who's going to be right behind him. Someone may have already said, where's Dustin Johnson? But Justin Thomas is a force. He has a great attitude about golf. I saw on Instagram, I'm going to roll it for you in just a second. He was at the course yesterday, and he's already working on a very special shot, how to play the 13th hole on this particular course. And I thought to myself, look how far this guy is ahead. He is already on the golf course working on a particular shot. These other guys may be just arriving today. They may be have new equipment in the bag. They may be work, trying on new clothes. But Justin Thomas is already out in the middle of it. He's won this tournament. Most importantly about this event, Diane, is how do you win this tournament? You've got to play the par fives great. You've got to be able to hit all the par threes. And you've got to be a player at a big wind. Justin Thomas grew up in the south. He's plays on this kind of grass all the time. He's just so experienced. And in my mind, he's the man to beat this week. There's five guys in the field who are playing for the first time. And you said that puts them at a distinct disadvantage. Um, Scotty Scheffler being the highest ranked from the FedEx Cup standings. But I mean, talking about JT, how confident do you have to be in the course and in your strategy to be on social media experimenting with that low stinger, which is going to come in handy in the wind? But that just shows that like, his confidence has to be through the roof. Well, I'm not sure if he was overconfident. I think he was just 
showing off a particular shot on that one hole. The hole that he was on was, was a critical hole because it's got a lot of trouble to the left and it's a sort of a blind hole that you hit the ball and when it finishes, it's out of sight, goes down a hill. And traditionally, the wind is howling off the right 30 miles an hour. And if you hit a driver up in the air at all, it just goes left and goes into this hazard. It's one of the tougher shots on the golf course. And he was showing off a little low piercing shot with a little fade action to keep it in play. He's got a specialty shot ready to go for that hole. In my mind, I just think when I saw that, I'm like, the guy's ready. I mean, he's ready to play the tournament starting right now. So he's focused. I know that. Um, and he's won this tournament twice. So to me, it's all about reproducing. So Diane, I want to say that when I start to handicap a field like this, I look in the field and I look at all the statistics and I see who else can replicate that. Mm -hmm. Who in this field, as I look down at some of the players that aren't as good as Justin Thomas, have they ever played a good enough to win this tournament? And the answer almost on a lot of them is no, they actually can't produce this kind of golf so it is quite easy for me to handicap it he won in a playoff last year with them um, patrick reed and xander shuffley two names that we're going to talk about very soon but coming in at number two in our list is the man who cannot be ignored in his last seven starts on the pga tour in six of them he's either won or finished runner-up three wins three runner-up finishes the other one he was t6 Last time we saw him in action was when he won the green jacket at the Masters, and that is, of course, Dustin Johnson. Well, the only reason that we don't have him at the top, Diane, is we haven't seen him since the Masters, but I did see him last week at the Floridian. I was down there uh, over New Year's, and I saw him on the driving route. I didn't get to talk to him, but he was working on a little drill. He had a towel under his right arm, and he was working on that. But then I saw him out on the golf course playing with some juniors. Aww. So I thought to myself, well, he's in a good frame of mind. He's feeling good. So, look, Dustin Johnson, he's a runaway train. We saw at the Masters. He actually made the Masters boring, if you can believe that. He drove it perfect. Iron's great. Chips the ball great. And putts good. Mm -hmm. Won this tournament twice before. To me, Diane, it's a coin flip between those two. If I was going to put a percentage, I'm, I'm saying they're over 60%. Either one of them will win the tournament. Coming in at number three is a guy who, well, he was in the playoff last year, ended up finishing in second place alongside Xander Shuffley, and that is Patrick Reed. Um, I mean, he caught fire on the Sunday last year, shot a 66 to really zip up that leaderboard. But Patrick Reed has to be looking good for this year. Patrick Reed, um, Diane, he's won this tournament, and one of the really key stats that I look at is how good can these guys putt under pressure? And it's just, I'm not going to give you the number, but he's putted better on this course than anyone else in this field. Wow. And he's a great iron player. And he's won this tournament. And he almost won it again last year. There's an old saying, there's horses for courses. And Patrick Reed has a type of swing action. He aims to the right a little bit and he, he gets his shoulders up on top of the ball and he's able to trap the irons, which is great technique in the wind. And Patrick Reed is a is a great player, Masters champion, and this course suits him, and he knows it, and that's why he's right there at the top every week when he plays it. Yeah, and he won in 2015. And we might not have seen him on the PGA Tour, but he was over playing in Dubai for the European Tour towards the end of the year. So, and, and he did great, ended up finishing third in the race to Dubai. Now, um, I'll give you the odds, actually. Justin Thomas is our number one. He's 13 to two at the time of recording. Dustin Johnson is six to one. He came in at second in our re-ranking. And Patrick Reed 16 to one. That's a good, those are good odds for Reed, especially right now i think they're good odds on all three of them mm. uh, i think they're, they're head and shoulders above everyone else in this field diane and uh i really you know that's good numbers i'd get mm. on they won't be like that at the end of the week when we talk to a lot of people that that watch the show on sports grid and um and like to put a little wager on a lot of them will say they find names within our top 10 and they'll put them on for like a, a top 10 finish or a top five finish and there's a lot of value especially in some of the names that we're going to give you next yes um vegas doesn't know everything they don't know what shots it takes to play this golf course and they don't know what strengths these players have they're looking at historical data and we're not and i think we can tell you if there's good value. And I think the next player does have great value. 
Yes, you just led right into that. It was perfect. Coming in at number four in our re-ranking is Joaquin Neiman, 35 to 1. He's one of these names that we're really talking about. And um, why such a big jump for, well, Joaquin, who finished fifth last year? Yeah, when we were looking at this this morning, I said, here's a guy that probably hits the ball the lowest on the PGA Tour. And I thought to myself, well, this has got, and, and then I asked our producer what he finished. Did he have any, has he played good at this tournament? And uh, he said he did. He finished, what did you say, fourth last year? Yeah, fifth last year. Last year. And uh, what it takes, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at players. That can, what, can this player get to 20 under on this course? Is he capable enough of hitting 80% of the greens is what historically it's done to take to play well on this golf course. And how does he putt on, on this type of grass? Uh, Neiman is from Chile, which is, has coarse grass, so he's well aware of playing on Bermuda grass. So, yeah, I think this is a great little spot for him. We've moved him up quite a bit, mainly on his fifth place and his technique that hits the ball low, which keeps it out of this breeze, and he can find these tricky greens to get on. Yeah, out of our whole top 10, he's got the biggest jump of anyone, moving up 22 places compared to his official world golf ranking. So... It's cool to see. Um, he's the 14th largest hitter on the PGA Tour right now. So from him, we are going to the biggest, the longest by far. But this is going to be an interesting conversation. Bryson DeChambeau coming in at number five in our re-ranking. So we have him at five, Elk. But why don't you think Bryson is going to win? Well... Bryson doesn't play golf. He practices golf. He's the first one to tell you that he doesn't play any holes. I don't know when was the last time he played. It could have been the Masters, I think. He probably hasn't played a, a, a hole of golf since then, which is mind-blowing to me. But he's been working on his game, and I know he's seen him on social media. He's trying to get to 220-mile-an-hour ball speed. <laughs> and, Diane, I just think when you play in a lot of wind and there's, there's any deviation on a guy that has a fast-speed swing – I mean, he could visit the pineapple fields this week, and we saw it a little bit at the Masters, and I think it's going to be uh, tough for him to get back out on the golf course and try to let go of all this speed that he has. Is he going to be in show-off mode, or is he going to be in strategy mode? Yeah. We know that Dust, uh, Justin Thomas is already working on a particular shot for a particular hole. Is Bryson going to do make the mistake that he made at the Masters and try to smash driver off every hole and hit it into every bottleneck and try to do everything crazy? Mm -hmm. We're going to see. But there's no way he's going to beat the three players or the four players. We've got three players for sure on top of him. Okay. It's interesting that you say show-off mode. That's kind of the perfect way to put it because he didn't live up to expectation at the Masters and there was a lot of it. And then with this break, we see these videos of him, you know, using a simulator inside a little lab, working on whatever, swinging it as hard as he can, drinking his shakes, working out at the gym. And it's almost like he's always trying to prove something. Is that fair to say? I think so. And, you know, um, I've, when he was when the, up, leading up to the Masters, all eyes were on Bryson. Mm -hmm. And he was in every player's head. Yeah. And he blew that, and now he's in nobody's head. Okay. Every player on that tour now knows. I, we saw, I saw it with Tiger when Tiger was in everyone's head when he came out. But the only difference was Tiger never made the mistakes. He'd pull the two iron out of the, out of the bag and hit a stinger out there, or he'd lay up. Bryson never did that. So the players know now, Diane, yeah, he could hit it 400 and he could run away with the field, but they're not scared of him now because he's, he makes mistakes and he, and he makes – uh, strategy mistakes so he could blow up at any time so he had him but he lost it yeah right coming in at number six is the guy who finished in fourth place last year he won the Zozo championship at Sherwood not long ago and that is Patrick Cantley I mean Cantley to me is like one of those just very very consistently good players yep you're exactly right Cantley Shoffley you know, uh, Morikawa, they're all, you know, sort of similar age and they all have very straight hitting games, good putters, good iron players. They're sort of like Tom Watson of the day or Tom Kite, very consistent. And, you know, when I start to put together stats and I say, can he do this, this, this and this? Cantlay has all the boxes ticked. Diane, he's had a couple of good finishes at this course and 
he is capable of getting the kind of numbers. Of course, everything in my mind, Diane, is can they beat Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson and Patrick Reed? And that's what I, when I do my evaluations, I sit those guys up top and are they good enough to elevate? And this guy is right there. He could do it. Well, you were saying that, you know, are they good enough to get to 20 under par? And the next name who comes in at number seven definitely can. He won this tournament in 2019, 23 under par. Last year, I mean, the weather was crazy. 14 under was a winning score, but he lost in a playoff. Xander Shoffley in at number seven, but there's a reason why we haven't put him higher this week. Yeah, Shoffley is just announced that he is made it under the wire. He's tested negative after being laid up for eight days with COVID. And I would, all things would point to a great week for this young man at this course, but not this week, Diane. I know this for, for personal use that I've had COVID and I know what it feels like when you finished having COVID. I don't think he can be that strong walking up and down these hills for four days of the tournament, pro-am and a practice day, six days. I'm going to, I've got him not winning this tournament, but it certainly uh, will be look. Will be he'll be on top of our list here very soon. You say that, and I can say that as well because I had COVID too, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I am closer to Xander's age <laughs> than you are. <laughs> I don't mean that in a rude way, you know that, but it floored me. And even walking up the stairs for probably two weeks was it felt like you were climbing Everest. Yeah, so I, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm glad to see him out there. I'm glad to see him smiling yesterday. I saw a clip of him, but it's just going to be too much for him physically, Diane. And I, I, I just don't have him up. I don't have him winning this tournament this week. Okay. Um, we said when we were talking about Patrick Candley, consistent golfer, the guy that comes in at number eight is like the word that we used to describe him for so much of last season. And that is Webb Simpson. Yes, Webb Simpson. Diane, he's he's almost like an older player out there on tour now. He's not the longest. He doesn't have the prettiest swing. He putts with a kind of a long putter that's half anchored. But the guy has awesome stats. And he, he led a lot of our lists last year. And he just knows how to play. And is it going to be enough this week? We'll have to see. He lives in Florida, so he's very used to this type of turf. He's very used to this kind of wind conditions. Mm-hmm. Simpson's great. Um, is he strong enough? Oh, let's see. 20 to 1? Yeah. Maybe. I was going to say, at 20 to 1, good number. The next guy is 25 to 1. He's someone that you mentioned a little while ago. But Colin Morikawa, uh, I definitely think he's one to look out for this week. Morikawa is, as I just mentioned, one of the young guns. He won the PGA Championship last year. He, I expect this kid to play well every time. He's a very straight hitter. He's not the longest on tour, fine. He's a great iron player and he's a great putter. He has got a good chance of winning this tournament, Diane, this week. He's got, he, he also has that, what I call that, that rise. In, he can rise up to the occasion once he gets into contention. He has a tendency to stay right there and keep going. So, yeah, Morikawa is in the conversation. He's got great stats. I mean, we know he drives it great. We saw him do it in the PGA under pressure on that famous shot he hit the 16th hole where he made eagle and closed it out. He's great, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Completing our top 10 is another name that you would think would be right up there. And again, if you look at it on paper, you would say he was one of the clear favorites to win. He finished runner-up in 2018. We're talking about John Ram. He's always been a big tailor-made guy and he had such amazing success last year, but he's changed up everything and he's moved to Callaway. So that's why we had to drop him down. Well, you know, like I said, we take everything into consideration, Diane, and I just know from personal experience when I walk out on the golf course and I put down a club, Jackie Burke used to tell me when I would bring in new clubs and look, and, and showing my new clubs that I was going to try. He said, well, you're not going to put those in the tournament, are you? So you need to look down at one of your friends on the, on the ground. Mm. Well, right now, John Rahm has no friends when he puts his, <laughs> puts his club down on the ground. They're all new. So the way, that, the way that club interacts with the turf, 
Does it do exactly what his old irons did? Sometimes when they're worn out, they're just right, and they can you handle you know the trajectory when you have brand new clubs. Sometimes that's a negative because it puts too much spin on it because the, the grooves are new. So I have pulled his stock down this week, Diane. John Rahm will not win this week. He is still in that rest test mode. We say players rest or test. He's testing. Um, he is one of the Vegas favourites at 15 to 2. So just to recap our top 10, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Joaquin Neiman, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, Webb Simpson, Colin Morikawa and John Ram. Now, the 2021 season actually started end of last year in October. We have like these few events that kind of round off the calendar year. But really, Elk, for a lot of guys, it's... It's as though that season starts this week in Hawaii. Yes, and yes, indeed, Diane. This is this is to me is the opening of the golf season. It was always been that way for 50 years on the tour, and to me, it's still the same, the same way. And I think, to some degree, I think the players still think of this tournament as being the opening of the golf season. Yeah, and um, they call it the Aloha Swing because we have two weeks in Hawaii. Next week, it's the Sony Open. And then it's off to the West Coast for those big California events, which we're obviously going to be talking about. And things are still, you know, very different out there because of the pandemic. And I know it's going to be very strict. We still obviously have no fans at these events as well. Fingers crossed that's going to change in the coming months. Right, so we've gone through our top 10, and I'll just recap that. These are the guys in the win zone, the guys in the top 10. Um, Justin Thomas coming out at number one defending champion. Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Joaquin Neiman, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, Webb Simpson, Colin Morikawa, and John Ram, who's got all new clubs in the bag. But we're going to look at a few sizzlers. So these are guys that are not in the top 10, fell really just outside it. But when you look at their stats, when you look at the other intangibles going on, we think they're definitely names to watch, especially when you look at their odds too. And the first guy is 80 to one. Now he's a player we know an awful lot about because we, he's one of our secret golf contributors. And Elk, when we talk about playing in the wind and that low stinger knockdown shot, Ryan Palmer is like the first name that comes to my mind. Ryan Palmer, of course, is a great friend of mine, lives here in Texas. Probably if I was going to handicap a course on who would play the best in the wind, I would have to say it's probably Ryan Palmer. And he's got stats to back it up. He's a long hitter. He's in the top 20 there. He's in the top five almost in putting. But, you know, when I when I handicap this field, Diane, with you, I, I don't um, discredit the guys that I haven't chosen in the top 10 is what I – I, they have to put together a combination of stats to win on this tournament that they, they normally can't or do not do on a regular basis. So, but Ryan Palmer sits in a very unique situation. He's got experience on this golf course. He's from Texas. He's not worried about the wind at all. He's a low hitter. He makes the ball curve right to left or left to right. And he's a great putter. So to me, Diane, he is the perfect sizzle pick at 80 to one. Are you kidding? Oh way to the bookmaker yeah i know right how good is that and i said it before that a lot of people that listen to the show will kind of take the sizzlers and some of the guys that kind of fall to the bottom of the top 10 and and you know you can put bets on for them to finish in the top five or the top 10 and someone like ryan palmer with the numbers that he has i mean just looking through some of these right now par five birdie or better he's sixth on the pga tour for driving distance he's 18th at that price, it's excellent. Also, you look at someone like Ryan, who has won the Sony Open in Hawaii before. Last year, he came really close to winning it too. You said horses for courses. Okay, different course, but being back in Hawaii, there's all those good vibes. Yeah, and he's not young. So yeah. his family's older, so he's not... He's going to be focused. You know, he's probably has his kids over there or his kids may be in school. So he's going to be by himself. He'll be focused. So there's a re once you get older on the tour and you get a chance to come back to a tournament like this, Diane, there's so much upside. Mm -hmm. You think of Morikawa or JT or some of these guys, they're going to be playing in these big events forever. This could be, it may not be the last time that Ryan Palmer gets a real shot at the tournament of champions, but I like what, I'm seeing right here across the board on Ryan Palmer. 
So Ryan Palmer is our first sizzler, our second sizzler. And like, I'm not surprised because when we have all these conversations, we really dissect everything. And then like names come up and you think, oh my gosh, yes, Cameron Smith. He's Australian. He grew up playing in that wind, which we talk about all the time. Um, he won the Sony Open in Hawaii last year. And he just had that incredible run of form at the Masters, finishing runner-up. Normally, Diane, well, this tournament has an awesome history of Aussies winning this tournament. I won it, as mentioned, twice before. But I think Stuart Appleby won it three times on this course. Ogilvy won it here. We're in, in Australia right now, Diane, we're in the middle of summer. So when the Aussies would come over to play this tournament, it was just like literally playing the same course they were playing back home. Cam <laughs> Smith, I saw Cam Smith at uh, Players' Championship last year with you, and mm -hmm. I said, mate, you, he grew up in Brisbane, and the, the, the tournament, the Hawaiian Open course, is almost identical. I said, mate, I had you pick last year. And he goes, oh, yeah. He said it was – he's got the most Aussie accent of anyone. Oh, yeah, mate. He said it's just like my home track, you know. <laughs> but Cameron Smith – he knows his turf and he knows how to putt. He's a great putter, drives it great. So this is going to be all very familiar to him. And, and i got to be honest with you, Diane, guys that come out of the north, like Jason Kokrak, one of our longest players on tour, he's a contributor to Secret Golf. It's going to be a lot tougher for a guy coming out of the north in Cleveland. Hasn't been practicing. If he did, it was going to be on different kind of turf. Uh -huh. All these conditions are all part of putting this all together. Cam Smith should do very well here. He's got confidence from the masters, familiar place, great turf conditions for him, windy like Australia. No worries, mate. No worries. And he lives in Ponte Vedra Beach, which is only 10 minutes from where I live. And we've had cold weather, but it's still been sunny and it's still been great weather to go out and play golf. Actually, we've had quite a lot of wind too. So if Cam Smith has been in Australia or if he's been here, he's had good conditions to go out and play and get tournament ready. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of these guys. He doesn't swing as good as some of the other stars like Morikawa and Shoffle, but he has some, some guts and some moxie. And we saw that at the Masters. And he hangs in there and he drives it good. And he's really calm in interviews. He's like, you know, yeah, I played good. So that sometimes is the biggest club in the bag is when the guy is just calm and yeah. he just knows how to he just knows how to do it diane yeah, exactly par five birdie or better he's 10th on the pga tour as well um and putting average Cameron smith is 16th right now so he's got good numbers to back it up now um it's a smaller field this week 42 guys in the field and usually we give a couple of fizzlers to bryson dechambeau and john ram we do have dark horse picks coming up though, Elk, and uh, Jay Kaplan is going to step in because he seems to be the master of the dark horse pick. He's the master. He scours with a little light bulb in his den and figures out who is the best value on the board. Right, Elk, thank you so much. And of course, we'll be back to do the Sony Open in Hawaii next week on Sports Grid. So we do call him the the master of the dark horse picks. And he did kind of earn that title last year. Jay Kaplan is back for the new year. Happy new year. Diane, happy new year to you. And yes, you call me the master of the dark horse pick, but I'm also known as the grim reaper around the secret golf office because I got stuck picking the fizzlers every week because yeah. we wanted to make sure Elk stayed clear of that. He gets the Sizzlers. I always get the Fizzlers. I'm ready to go. It's been a long off season. Well, the, the Fizzlers we talked about this week, just because the field is so small, that we are going with Bryson DeChambeau and John Ram. Do you have any specific thoughts on those two? You know that I do. Um, let's start with Bryson DeChambeau, because he seems to be the poster boy for the future of golf. And he very well could be. He, uh, as Elk said earlier, he's a lab rat or a gym rat, if you're into that uh, label. Uh, he spends his time in a dark well uh, with his instructors, uh, probably rewiring something in his back. And all he seems to be focused in on is club head speed. How fast can he get that club head to contact? Yeah. And nothing else comes into play. 
uh, the elements of an upcoming tournament, the way the layout is, the, the type of grass it's on. He's a smart guy. It's not like he's ignoring that stuff. But what he's really trying to do is program himself in his game so the course almost becomes irrelevant. He showed in the U.S. Open that it can work. But then he goes to the Masters, head and shoulders above everybody else, and implodes. And we know once he starts to get sideways in an event, he doesn't always keep his emotions in check. Little things start to bother him. He'll be snappy with a reporter. He might even send a tweet or two that's uh, maybe not so flattering. One thing I've noticed about him, too, is, boy, he's really lugging around that U.S. Open trophy, taking pictures <laughs> with Bentleys. He's in front of mansions. I don't know how focused he's been since he's been in celebratory mode. I'm going to count this week that this is not a good matchup for him based on the course, based on the wind, based on what he's working on, and maybe a little feedback from Elk. So we have him, we have him on our physical list. It's, it always makes me laugh that the golf world is kind of fickle because Bryson's been the name on everyone's lips since the restart. And then with him winning the US Open and then the Masters hype and kind of not delivering. When I was doing my research this morning before we filmed, not many people are even talking about DeChambeau. So, you know, it's kind of funny. It's not funny, but his name has kind of fallen off people's radar because of the absolute amazing quality we've seen from Dustin and John Ram and Justin Thomas. I was like, who else do we talk about? But yeah. I say that because John Ram is our second fizzler. And, um, you know, I thought that he would be higher, but the new equipment just puts that question mark over him. Yeah, you know, before we ran our algorithm and it spit out the numbers, in my brain, it, this was a John Ram week, right? Yeah. John Ram week. It's very clear that he has the type of game that would succeed here. And why do we know that? Because we go back through all the winners and we look and we start matching up stats with courses. And then we start talking to Elk and we start doing our research. And lo and behold, here's another guy going for a bump in pay. Or is he going to question his hardware? We think he's going to question his hardware. So we're going to question him this week. He made our fizzle list. Yeah, well, going from TaylorMade to Callaway, and he said that the first time he played with the new clubs, he shot 59 at his local course. But, of course, that gets everyone in a frenzy. Right. Yeah. The dark yeah. Horse. He, you, you and me both. I shot 59 at my local yeah. course with my new TaylorMades, sure. but I, I only played two holes. So we could dream. Right. We're going to yeah. go with your dark horse pick. So it needs no introduction. Take it away. You know, I love a good dark horse. I mean, who doesn't, right? Somebody who's off the radar, whose Vegas odds don't warrant him even being in any discussion. And I think we have a guy that fits the mold in a lot of ways because, number one, we always get insight to this player. Um, he's a fellow Aussie elk. I say fellow, as you can tell, I'm not from Australia, <laughs> but elk is. And elk says... Keep your eye on this guy. I've been talking to him, and I think he's about to get his head right. Uh, it's Mark Leishman. He's actually ranked, believe it or not, at the bottom of our ranking for this week. Why is that? He, ha he has been uh, off the rails, all right? Um, his – oh, rapid. I'm sorry. Okay, let me jump in. So Leish has been off the rails I'm looking at his numbers. They're not very good, but here's my thought process on it. He's had time away. Um, this is a guy that won last year on the West Coast. Granted, it was in February because he can putt. He's familiar with this climate. He's Australian. Normally, he'd go to Australia, work with his coach, fly over and, and to Hawaii and be ready to go. I'm going to take all of that, mix it in my dark horse brew, and I'm going to hang my hat on Mark Leishman to get right, and he'll have a phenomenal 2021. So Jay Kaplan has given us his dark horse pick. Mark Leishman plays good in the wind. Jay, Australian, he grew up playing in the wind. But actually this week, we joke about that, um, but this week that is actually going to be quite important. Would you like my dark horse pick? I've had to sit through the break waiting for it. I can't wait. It's kind of hard to come up with someone um, as a dark horse pick because all of these guys have either won in the previous year or finished in the top 30 in the Tour Championship, the FedEx Cup standings. So 
my guy was actually my dark horse pick in like October in Vegas. And he only went and won the Bloomin' event. So Martin Laird is back in the field this week. It's been a long time since he's been eligible for the Tournament of Champions. Actually, though, he finished runner-up here in 2013. So I'm thinking, like, all those good vibes are going to come back to him. After having that amazing win in Vegas, we saw how good he was scrambling. We saw how good he was on the greens at 175 to 1. I mean, I got him before at 250 to 1. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going for Martin Laird this week. And I'll tell you the number that really jumps out is proximity to the hole. So hitting the ball close. He's 36 on the PGA Tour and he's from Scotland. And I know better than anyone that it's windy in Scotland. <laughs> okay, it's not there, really Hawaii. <laughs> there's not a bigger homer than Diane Knox. Yeah. Um, but I call him Marty Queen of Scots because he holds royal highness over uh, <laughs> on the Scottish Isle. I know that his proximity to the hole and all of that stuff, but take a look at his putting average. I'm probably going to refute you on your pick this week, but that's okay. I like how you're hanging with your homeboy. And as I say, you know, you can get really good value on him for like a top 10 finish, even a top 20 finish. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm just hanging my hat on Martin Laird to play well. Do I think he's going to win? No, probably not. However, I do think that there could be a lot of value in some positioning for Martin Laird. So hopefully that gives you all the information that you need to go out there and make some value picks that are going to win you some money. I love hearing what Elk has to say about some of the big names and some of the favourites this week. And, you know, you, you do a little bit of research and you see what everyone else is doing and they're really going big on John Ram and Xander Shoffley and Bryson DeChambeau, I mean, a little bit. But yeah, um, there's just a lot of these intangible factors and we have to put everything into the mix when it comes to our re-ranking. So hopefully it does help you out and it would be great if we could get off to a good start. Man, imagine I could get Martin Laird at 175 to 1. <laughs> to can lightning strike twice <laughs> we'll find out don't forget our show airs on the sports grid network on wednesday at 2 p.m eastern and then it's repeated at 3 10 and 11 catch it at sportsgrid.com forward slash watch or just search for sports grid on any of your tv streaming platforms it's on Apple TV, Amazon, Hulu. I mean, the list goes on and on. You can actually find um, a list of them all on our Twitter, Secret Golf, if you go and look for that. There's so much to tell you about this week. And the SG Tour gaming app is up and running. You can create your own little game, invite your friends. You can join a public game. Just go and it's best to download the app, sync up your PayPal account, deposit some money in your wallet to get you started and then just have a little play around with the app there's so much good stuff on there thank you so much for listening to our podcast i'm happy to be back for 2021 two weeks in hawaii and we'll be back next week for the sony open sports social podcast network